0: Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once again. And all and forever. 843 664 8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's JC Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, happy Tuesday, everyone. September 21st, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Uh, Thanks to Heritage Digital for sponsoring this segment of the podcast as normal. Um, As we get ready for Kentucky week at South Carolina, you know, this game has not been good for the Gamecocks the last seven or so years, including last year's game, 41-18 up in Lexington. The Wildcats rolled in that one. Uh, South Carolina was really playing with – Half a team by the time uh, they got to that one. So I don't put too much stock in it still. You know, the Wildcats are going to come into the game with a lot of confidence. They're 3-0 and on the verge of a top 25 ranking, I would think, with, if they would win uh, against the Gamecocks this weekend. A 4-0 and start for Mark Stoops and, and his team. They've already played a conference game, close game against Missouri, 35-28 in Lexington, they're much improved on offense this year in terms of vertical passing. Wandale Robinson, a transfer from Nebraska, Kentucky native coming home, really has helped them along with Will Levi's or Levis. Levis? Levi's? Will Levi's? I, I don't know. I need to get clarification on that because I sound like an idiot. But, uh, you know, that's uh, he's got an arm. Um, probably more talented passing-wise than – uh, most of the Kentucky quarterbacks we've seen over the years. Also a decent runner. Uh, they have a new offensive system. They're not just ground and pound like they used to be under Eddie Grand. Uh, got somebody else, Sean McVay's staff, Liam Cohen, to come in and sort of revolutionize their offense, so to speak. And uh, through three games, it's looked good. Now, look, they struggled with Chattanooga last week badly. Um, watched most of that game. It, it wasn't a fluke. In terms of Kentucky not playing well, uh, you know, and they didn't play well, obviously, there's a lot to correct, uh, but that was a game Chattanooga could have won. And Chattanooga's not, you know, what you consider a powerhouse program, uh, right now in FCS. They do look good. Liam Ford, a guy from South Carolina, got a lot of rushing yards in that one. Um, if you, if you look at the Chattanooga game, you know, well, Levi's was 23 for 35, two touchdowns, two picks. I, I do think when you pressure him, he tends to rush things. Uh, Robinson had a huge day for them against the Mocs, eight for 111. But, you know, the concern with Kentucky in this series historically has always been can the Wildcats run the football? And obviously with Chris Rodriguez and Kavasky smoke and then Levi's running it uh, – you know, they've got a pretty formidable rushing attack. They rushed for a lot against Missouri, but Chattanooga bottled them up pretty well, 3.8 yards per carry, um, 27 carries, 102 yards against the Mocs. Uh, Meanwhile, Chattanooga got it going on the ground. I mentioned Alim Ford. He's from Florence, South Carolina. Uh, was really good in high school, just a smaller guy. 21 ca- uh, carries for 128 yards. Tyrell Price added six for 41. Um Reginald Henderson, a uh, receiver for them, nine receptions, seventy-five yards. They, they kept them off balance with some uh, short passes. Uh, passing game, uh, you know, was not vertical, but uh, certainly, you know, they kind of dinked and dunked their way down the field. They targeted Henderson a lot, uh, and and churned out some first downs in the football game. I mean, Chattanooga uh, first downs were twenty to sixteen. Kentucky, they were seven to fifteen on third down. You know, only got out outgained three fifty six to three thirty nine. Now, that said, I, I don't, I don't think it's wise to sit here and put a lot of emphasis on that game because I think I think Chattanooga sort of surprised them a, a little bit, and Kentucky had a very uneven performance uh, across the board. Uh, matchups are going to be different Saturday night. Uh, it is the first road game for the Wildcats uh you know so that's uh that's a positive I, I think you know the environment that they're going to have to come play in is going to be very difficult as it always is in the sec uh and and you know south carolina the georgia game got away from the gamecocks but it, i mean that could have easily been kentucky going to georgia uh and and getting beat uh what the gamecocks need to do is uh, clean some things up, quite frankly, especially on offense, kind of the operational aspects of it. You know, I mentioned yesterday, South Carolina's got to find a way to run the football. If they don't, it's going to be a long season, folks. Um, and, and that's no offense to Josh Van or Jalen Brooks or to Karen Joyner or Luke Doty throwing the ball down the field or anything. I mean, th- this team is built on offense to sort of run the football. And they have to run it, I think, to be successful. There's nine games left. I I think there's a chance South Carolina could be much better than people imagine this year. There's been some good signs, uh, some of the concerns heading into the year on offense. Uh, I think there's some potential answers. I mentioned Van, and it was good to see Jalen Brooks get going. Uh, Wide receiver was a concern heading in. I'd still label it somewhat of a concern. But, you know, Van's playing at a really high level right now he's playing like the player that everybody thought he was and and you can just tell body language wise whatever now he needs to stop talking <laughs> after he catches a pass I mean I don't know these new taunting rules in college and pro football are unevenly applied and a little ridiculous but best thing is just not to say anything until people sort of figure this out you know I, I think you, you saw it on Sundays you see it on Saturdays uh, it's not every time, but you know they're they're quick with this flag for some reason. And Van now it's been twice in two games, uh, so they're going to talk. Referees talk before the game, just like everybody else. And number six, you know, just doesn't need to say anything because <laughs> uh, he's been ta- he's been flagged twice, and, and that hurts. You know, you make a big play and then you got to go back 15 yards. That's just uh, you can't do that you know, no matter how well you're playing. And I get it. I mean, look, Van's been through a lot. Uh, I'm obviously, you know, getting out there making big plays like he was always supposed to do, that's probably emotional. And 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 it's probably more positive energy than anything. Uh, but you're out there battling a DB, you know. I've, I've seen it in seven on seven. People talk crap. Um, it's just how it is. And you know, I guarantee you the DB is talking crap, too uh but don't make it obvious you know after you catch the ball uh and do that because that's uh, just one thing they're they're looking out for. You can't do that anymore. Uh I think in general the dumb uh taunting penalties which you know if you really broke them down, I don't even know that they're taunting. I I, I just uh I guess by the letter of the law or the the rule they are, but uh I just um you know, I agree with a lot of the people out there that are a little upset about it in college and pro football, both. I, I don't know who decided, hey, look, here's the big problem we have in football is the taunting. You know, we need these guys to just, you know, not talk crap or anything like that. To me, that's sort of a, I don't want to say backward, but a, I don't know, it's forced classiness, I guess. And, and you got to let guys go play. I mean, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not in favor of taking the fun out of the game. Now, there's a line you shouldn't cross. Um, you know, I, I remember the D.J. Swearinger hit where he got flagged uh, against Andre Ellington in 2012 in the Clemson game. You know, that was probably a penalty, I, I would say. You know, you, you just – it was blatant. You know, this jawing back and forth stuff is part of the game. But – um you know, there's nothing you can do about it if you're Josh Van of the Gamecocks right now except keep your mouth shut after you make a big play. Celebrate with your teammates. Don't acknowledge the opponent, that type of thing, because they're obviously going to call it. Like I said earlier, uh, Van's probably got a big target on him, you know, now twice in two games. Uh, that stuff happens. Didn't talk a lot about the defense yesterday just because I was so uh, focused on the offense. Um, didn't mention them giving up uh, – more yards than they need to against Georgia. And uh, looking at it and going back and looking at the game again, you know, the secondary had some miscommunication and allow Georgia, JT Daniels, and their receivers to make too many big plays. Uh, That has to get cleaned up by Saturday because Kentucky will throw it down the field and attack you vertically. Um, Georgia's run game went well for them, but kind of like the rest of the games they've had this year, you know they're willing, willing to throw it, um, and uh, kind of do a running back by committee type of thing. Third down defense for South Carolina, uh, which was really, really, really good the first two weeks, was not good on Saturday night. This coming Saturday night, that has to obviously get better. And I, I think while the pass rush did have some success against Georgia at times, it's going to have to be a lot better against the Wildcats. Um, just because, you know, like they like to do these, you know, big dropbacks. And uh, I've seen their quarterback here through about three games. If you pressure him, he has a tendency to chunk it up, throw it up for grabs. And so Jalen Foster, who's kind of been the ball hawk back there, I mean, you know, you want more interceptions, you want more turnovers. Uh, you got to get that pass rush off. You can't just let him sit back there and have all day. Kentucky's got a good offensive line. Uh, but tell me where you've heard this before. They have not performed uh, as well, you know, as maybe you would have thought, you know, especially in the last game uh, against Chattanooga. Uh, the mocks were able to get pressure. They were able to stop the run. South Carolina is obviously more talented than they are, uh, up front on defense especially. Um, and so you've got that. You know, one thing Shane Beamberg has said, uh, with the health report this week, that was interesting. Brad Johnson had food poisoning. Um, so maybe he wasn't at his best. And then Sherrod Green, of course, had, got hurt. He's probably out for the year. You know, so Damani Staley or Mo Kaba or whoever's back there is probably going to be Staley. Um, they need to have a good game. Uh, you know, because like I said, Chris Rodriguez will make you look silly. Uh, you know, and so will Kavasky. Smoke. Those two backs are really good. Um, And while last week was a disappointment for them, uh, you know, running the ball or whatever, they ran right through Missouri uh, at home. You know, so it needs to be loud, proud, and, uh, you know, your defense benefits from being at home, uh, in my opinion, you know, maybe more so than the offense just because it gets noisy for the opposing offense. Sometimes they can't signal. Uh, The crowd does impact the game. So South Carolina – Uh, does have the home field advantage. You know, some good news, the ESPN-FPI, Carolina's a a five-and-a-half-point underdog in this one. ESPN-FPI, though, says 54% chance the Gamecocks win. So take that for whatever it's worth right now. You know, I'm not one that really puts a whole lot of stock in the FPI. or Is it FPI? Football Power Index? That's it. Um, You know, the point spread to me is a little more valid just because that's – that's kind of what happens. But I, you know, I I thought that was kind of a, an interesting tidbit that ESPN does think South Carolina is a favorite to win percentage-wise uh, in the football game. Um, you know, last time South Carolina came or played Kentucky at home, the Gamecocks won pretty easily. Kentucky didn't have a quarterback uh, at the time. They put Lynn Bowden in late, and I think they figured something out that year. Um, but uh, – you know, they didn't go very far. 24-7, to 7, South Carolina was able to run it pretty much at will against the Wildcats. And that's, that's the key, man. You know, South Carolina has to go out Saturday and be able to run the football. When, you know, last year, notwithstanding, last year South Carolina's defense basically had a bunch of guys. they have guys that aren't playing this year on this defense that played a lot. They were gutted, okay, by the time that game rolled around. uh, That was the night it was announced Beamer was going to be the coach. You know, lots of distractions in that one. Kevin Harris did run for over 200 yards, though, in it. Um, But Carolina had very little chance to stop the Wildcats consistently. And that's got to have – you know, obviously that can't happen this weekend. Um, You know, but uh, you look at it two years ago and and Carolina – In that game, specifically, turned the tables a little bit on Kentucky. Uh, The Gamecocks were able to run the ball. Kentucky wasn't. And that's normally been what's happened. You know, South Carolina gets outrushed against these guys and kind of falls into their web in terms of how they like to win games or in the past have liked to win games. Now, I don't know that this year's Kentucky team uh, is like that. Uh, To me, they look a little more like a a group that likes a high-scoring football game. But, again – you play Louisiana Monroe, Missouri, and Chattanooga. You struggle mightily against Chattanooga. You have a touchdown win against Mizzou, uh, and you blew away Louisiana Monroe, who's not that good. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's kind of you know one of those things. It's hard to tell. Like what are what are they? What is their identity this year? It looks like they want to throw it more, but it also you know you go on the road. You got two really good backs, a veteran offensive line. You're playing a team that's pretty good at rushing the passer. Maybe you try to run it right at them and take advantage of, you know, linebacker play, not being up to snuff with a starter out or whatever. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Kentucky attacks the Gamecocks. If I were them, I'd just try to be balanced and, and see if I could do what Georgia did against Carolina. I just, uh, you know, for as much talk about the offense at uh, South Carolina, the defense is a red flag. Uh, even though Georgia's very talented, very fast, very good, and they were at home, you know, the, you start thinking about it and you're like, well, no, this wasn't the defense you saw the first two weeks. They they had issues. Um, especially with the miscommunication on the back end, that scares you in this one just because South Carolina, you know, That was kind of the the bugaboo going into the season is how is the secondary going to hold up? First two games have been fine. Uh, You know, Saturday night, not so much. JT Daniels had plenty of time most of the time and and attacked the Gamecocks downfield, and they were successful. You know, so we'll see sort of what happens. Pass rush definitely has to come out uh, for the Gamecocks uh, this weekend, I think, to have uh, any sort of a shot as far as – winning this game. Now I think the game guys do have a shot. I think Carolina's probably uh you know uh you know I, I think Carolina's probably got a really good chance to win. I just I, I think obviously there are some things that need to be corrected. Uh, uh and and look it's it's through coaching. You know, you you've got to you've got to coach up or simplify, you know, uh, these these communication issues with the offensive line. I've said it. You know, offensive linemen don't just whiff, you know, because they don't want to block. If that's the case, they don't need to be um, in the football game. <laughs> Honestly, you know, they, they don't want to be in the fo- – they don't need to be in the football game, you know, if, if they don't want to block. you find somebody to stand there and get in the way. You know, Steve Spurrier used to say that. Just, just go ahead and get in the way, you know. So I think that's – um that's a positive, you know, uh, if uh, they can come out and uh, correct those because it's been three – you know, really been three games. Eastern Illinois was overmatched, you know, but I don't think anybody came out of that game with a false sense of security. You know, East Carolina had some things they did, and then Georgia's elite. You know, you, you, you're not going to survive that one if uh, if the Gamecocks aren't uh, – communicating well up front, Uh, and and that's just got to change. You know, don't get fancy with it. Just go do it. You know, give these backs some room to run. My goodness, you know, Marshawn Lloyd has had no room all year. Kevin Harris has had no room all year. You know, uh, I know White got in late and made some good things happen, so to speak, but, you know, you've got to have that run game. You know, this this team's really not built to chunk it all over the yard right now. You know, it's just not. That's just not how they're built. They need to run the football, play defense, you know, that type of thing. Luke Doty, you know, probably is going to get the start this weekend. Um, You know, I really did some nice things coming in, competing. Really, uh, you know, at times was a little rusty, like Shane Beamer said. But uh, you know, you look at his arm talent. That that, yeah, he looks he looks like a better passer this year and it kind of matches up with what we've heard uh, in terms of uh, his off season work. Uh, I think he's got a live arm, quick release, you know, can't turn it over. Obviously uh, him running the ball against that group Saturday, probably wasn't going to happen. Um, but uh, he scratched out some yards, but you now that's, you know, that that's with them, you know, with the way Georgia was playing on defense. I mean, Luke just, I mean, you're you uh, sitting duck sometimes trying to run it against those guys. Uh, so I, you know, we'll see if the run game comes out a little more for Luke this weekend. Uh, obviously, there were some positives in the passing game, but South Carolina with its running backs uh, needs to find a way to run the ball. You, you can't. You're not going to be able to survive this year if they can't do it. I mean, you're you're not. I mean, that's going to be the difference, in my opinion you know, for the next nine games. It doesn't matter who they play, Troy, whoever. You know, you have to be able to run the football. Um, that's the bottom line. You know, it's, it's still a game where if you run the ball and stop the run, your chances of winning increase exponentially, you know, in, in, in college football these days. So it's going to be important for the Gamecocks to not only bottle the Wildcats up on the ground, but to establish the run themselves. I mean, I don't really see South Carolina having a lot of success – if Rodriguez and Smoke run wild and then that opens everything up downfield, you know it's going to be a long night, Saturday night. The good news is I think South Carolina's is capable of doing that, you know, especially at home. So we'll see what happens. Again, Beamer went through the, the injury report. and Sherrod Green likely out. Uh, Cam Smith missed practice Sunday, but he's probable for the weekend. Uh, foot was a little sore. You know, uh, Doty's probably ready to go, probable starter. Uh, And so we'll see sort of what happens uh, moving forward this week, you know, with all that. But I I fully expect Doty to be the guy, and I I would expect Doty to be the guy from here on out. I I think that, you know, he's back. As long as the foot's not bothering him, you know, he can get in there and play. Uh, It'll be good to see, you know, what he can do with a week full of practice with 11-on-11 work and all that good stuff. Because obviously Beamer said he didn't have that but one day last week. So we'll see what happens. We'll definitely uh, see what uh, what happens moving forward. I want to encourage everybody to check out the VIP room on TheBigSpur.com. If you're not a member, there's probably a discount you can take advantage of right now. Loads of recruiting information. Uh, South Carolina this week has uh, several top, uh, uh, I guess, official visits coming in, which is always expected. Told you a while back. Jason Barham, the highly rated guy, number 64 player in the country, linebacker edge players coming in. Jamari Lyons, a defensive lineman from Melbourne, Florida is coming in, big time player. And of course, uh, probably one of the top two offensive players remaining on the board, Antonio Williams, along with Oscar Delp. Uh, those are probably the top two, but Antonio Williams uh, from Dutch Fork is making his official visit uh, coming up. So, Exciting times on the recruiting end of things. There'll also, be a load of unofficial visitors. We'll get to next weekend, uh, and there needs to be a big crowd. You know, obviously, and look, I'll say this. Yeah, I don't know. There's going to be some people that stay away right now. You know, people are still getting used to coming back to the stadium, uh, and there's going to be people for you know health reasons if, if they have you know underlying conditions or they're not vaccinated, but they're susceptible to COVID. Uh, those folks are staying away from public gatherings, period. Um, and then, you know, like I mentioned, the mass thing, and uh, there'll be some that just want to protest and do whatever. Um, so, so it's probably unrealistic to think the place is going to be packed. Um, I'll say this, though. I think at williams Bryce Stadium, sometimes those crowds that are in the, like, 70,000 range end up being louder uh, maybe than some of the bigger crowds for whatever reason. And so I, I just think it's important for the Gamecocks to have a big-time environment uh, because of recruiting and because also, you know, like I said, it's Kentucky's first road game. Uh, you, you, you don't know about a team and how they're going to respond on the road or a quarterback or whatever when they've had three games at home and only one that was really challenging. Uh, obviously, Chattanooga was a challenge. That sounds weird for me. to, It wasn't challenging, but that, that was an undermanned opponent that – Kentucky slept, walked through, and won. Kentucky sleeps. Kentucky plays like they did against Chattanooga, against Carolina. The Gamecocks will win the game going away, as long as the Gamecocks don't, in turn, match a bad performance, <laughs> uh, which could happen. Uh, so anyway, it's a big game. I think you know Carolina can win that one. You're looking at a pretty good start because you know Troy, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. You know, all those teams are, are, are teams the Game Gamecocks can play some ball with, including Kentucky. I, I think the next four uh, are going to kind of determine the trajectory uh, of this year's football team. And, and I think, you know, there's a there's an opportunity there. Um, and I think that uh, Beamer and the staff know that. And uh, with opportunity, you know, you, you, it can be there all you want, but you have to take advantage of it, and that's uh, – That's going to be the key on Saturday night. All right, it's time for everybody's favorite segment, the iHelp Consulting mailbag. And I want to tell you about iHelp Consulting uh, tremendously here. Uh, I've told you about how Daniel Owens with iHelp Consulting can help save your business money on credit card processing insurance, telecommunications, all of that without sacrificing quality. But you may be wondering how it works. It's really simple. You call or text Daniel at 843-372-5713 and set up a quick phone call or face-to-face meeting. Daniel will then examine where there may be savings and let you know if you're paying junk fees or if your rates are too high. Now you may be wondering, well, how does I help get paid? Or you may think a consultant will charge more than they are worth. You may be thinking iHelp may save you 3000 but charge you four. Well, that's not how iHelp does business. You only pay a percentage of your first-year savings. Not only that, if they can't save you money. You don't owe them a dime. Right now, also, iHelp is running a half-off promotion. That's half-off because they're in such a good mood. GameCop football is back. So sit, tell Daniel, you heard it right here on the podcast, to receive the promotion. So call or text Daniel Owens today, 843-372-5713 and give him a shot. We love all our advertisers here. We love Heritage Digital. Also, uh, Cindy Searfoss, who sponsors our prediction segment, real estate agent, Colwell Banker Kane, and Spartanburg, 864-414-5271. Uh, give Cindy a call if you're in the market for a new home or you want to sell your home. Anything that can be done, uh, she can help you with. All right, there's two ways to get in the mailbag, right? First way is to tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Ah, uh, we're getting more followers on the Big Spur Pod at the Big Spur Pod Twitter account. Also, follow us on Instagram, inside the Game Cox. Um, and so you tweet to us. We usually retweet it, uh, and then we read your question. It's that simple. There's also the inbox insetheamecox at gmail.com. Uh, If you want to go with email, we we get a lot of of both nowadays uh, during the season. And it's always really good. And we appreciate everybody that sends stuff in. Uh, Joe Sportscaller, first tweeter. He said, defensively, wouldn't your strategy be to just put eight in the box versus Kentucky? Running back is top tens and ten in rushing yards for them. Quarterback might be turnover prone. My thought would be to put secondary man on man and take your chances. I don't know if South Carolina's in that much of a, I don't want to say a desperate situation. I think they need to be multiple and mix it up. Um, Send blitzes on certain times. Uh, you, You have to be able to stop the running game for sure. But, you know, again, I look at the Chattanooga game. Maybe they weren't all that fired up to play it, but they didn't go very far. Running the ball, Chattanooga was able to get pressure. They were able to cover them. For the most part. Uh, and, and when they got after the quarterback, it you know, it, things good things happened for the moccasins. Lorenzo Ward's defense actually played pretty doggone well uh, against the moccasins. Um, so I don't know. I, I do think, though, Joe, uh, that the, the best, you know, South Carolina going into the game, um, they need to clean up the big plays in the secondary, obviously, that happened against Georgia. That can't happen on Saturday night. But I do think it's important for them to stop or slow the run. Georgia got gas Carolina in the run game, too, at times, especially early on when you have guys rolling through untouched. You you can't do that against these guys. Um, So South Carolina's got to tighten up on that side of the ball. It's probably a good thing maybe that the defense faced some adversity because they hadn't faced a lot of adversity, uh, you know, in the first couple of games, uh, you know, and, and so they have some corrections to do. Um, but I don't know that just stacking it up and leaving the corners on an island, especially against a guy like Wandell Robinson, uh would work uh if you do it all the time. Maybe you can uh maybe you can sort of um I don't know, mix it up a little bit with certain things. Uh, all right, Ashley. This is the first time we've had Ashley tweet in. He says, Josh Van is finally playing to his potential and probably most people's expectations. Do you think it's just finally clicked with him or do you give more credit to the new coaching staff? I I think obviously there had to have been some coaching and encouragement that took place with Van, uh, but I don't want to take away from the individual work that he's put in. I mean, here's a guy that was led the SEC in drops. It's been labeled a disappointment, dare I say, bust by some people. Uh, I even said, hey look if he can get 20 25 catches this year that'll help uh, he's on pace to do a lot better than that um with uh, I think he's got 10 for the year so far so that's you know about 40 catches 50 catches um I need I think they need to get him the ball more to be honest I think uh he he's been that solid you know the first three games of the season uh it, it, you know he, he's a guy too was ranked highly for a reason. You know, there was – he's a four-star guy, top 200 guy, a guy Georgia wanted. Uh, and they they were – it must be nice, Georgia's in this situation a lot, when they got an in-state guy they offered, you know, two-slot receivers, he and Kiaris Jackson, who plays for them, who's playing well. And they just took the, you know, first one to commit or, uh, you know, first one, you know, six of one, half dozen of another. When you're in the state of Georgia, I guess you could do that. <laughs> And um, for a while there, it looked like, hey, you know, Van was a a bust, but um, he's really turned it on. So I I think Justin Stepp obviously is an outstanding position coach, and you have to give him credit for getting the most out of Josh Van right now. But like I said, I don't want to take away from the individual work he's put in uh, to make himself better because it, it would be easy to lose confidence, right? And uh, and he ha- he hasn't, you know – the, the, the taunting penalties, you know, I kind of fully expected Van to, I don't know, or, or the, the the taunting penalties and then the, the fumble and then the called back touchdown. You know, that that's adversity. And, and you know, when you have a player like Van who's you know, had issues with dropping passes and things like that over the years, you, you wonder about that. You're like, well, is this going to be something that maybe takes it away from him? You know that confidence he's playing with, but it hasn't. Uh, And so you got to give him credit by staying, you know, staying mentally tough uh, and getting uh, getting things done, even when he's faced adversity within the game. Uh, Josh, thank you, Josh, for tweeting in. He says, "JC, I feel like these taunting penalties are very inconsistent." Josh Van makes a heck of a catch. Stands over the DB, fifteen-yard penalty. UGA defenders make a tack. Uh, sorry, a sack, tackle for loss, attack. <laughs> Get up and dance. Nothing. I'm very much in favor of doing away with that penalty altogether. Me too. I talked about it earlier. Uh, it's very inconsistent. Um, but look, if you're Josh Van, you, you just have to stop talking uh, because you've got a bullseye on you. Like I said, refs meet, they watch film. Yes, yeah, two, twice in two games. Just, could, just don't say anything because you've got a target on you now. Um, but I agree, and and look, this is really going to start coming out when somebody's driving uh, for a game-winning uh, score and makes a really good play, and they show a little bit too much emotion, and it's borderline, and some ref fl- throws the flag, and it directly impacts the game. Uh, you know, that's going to be where this thing's going to really get uh, you know the light shined on it. And, uh, and I don't like it. I think it's a, I think it's, you know, it, 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 the way it's being enforced right now is not only inconsistent, it's taking the fun out of the dang game. You know, I mean, look, uh, like I said, the, the Swearinger thing back against Clemson 10 years ago, that's to me taunting. That was an obvious penalty. You know, some of this other stuff has not been, and you see it in college and pro football. So I don't know who decided that, you know, after we all are like, thrilled to have crowds back, and after last year, let's just do something that uh, is inconsistently enforced. It's a matter of interpretation that uh, tries to make the game less fun. (laughs) And it can be costly for football teams. So so let's just, uh, you know, let's do that. I mean, who decided that? I mean, who who got together and said, hey, you know, we're going to make the game better. Uh, Let's just, like, strictly enforce taunting – and give referees, uh, you know, large discretion as to what it is and what it isn't. We won't explain it clearly. uh, And and then we'll just throw it at inopportune times and, and take the fun out of the game. Yeah, it's a great idea. Let's do it. You know, so whoever, you know, has decided this is a moron, in my opinion. Whoever said this is how we fix football on both levels, NFL and college, is a moron. I mean, that's just why, you know. After all that, after last year, everything you've been oh, ta- taunting is getting out of control. Where? where? You know, <laughs> who decided this? You know, they're kids. Let them show emotion. Now, look, you know, don't 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 wag it in somebody's face. You know, but and look, I mean, I, you know, just I don't know. I, I, I'm just it's just kind of a a crazy thing, which is a little bit um, a little bit concerning. Uh, and like I said, Josh Van just needs to not talk. Um, unfortunately, you know, for him, but he's got a target on his back. All right. So now we go to the inbox inside the gamecocks at gmail.com as the iHelp Consulting mailbag rolls on on a Tuesday. Uh, by the way, it's press conference Tuesday. Shane Beamer will address the media later today. I'll be unlocked on, on the Gamecocks with Keith later today. And then, of course, tomorrow, JB at Goldwater, uh, the hour long segment which will be outstanding. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, as always, as we cruise on with the game week, Mitchell, he says, Hi, JC. Hope all is well. I had a question regarding Marcus Satterfield's play calling through the first three games. So far it seems like Josh Van, Jalen Brooks, and DeKarian Joyner have all stepped up and have gotten separation from the opposing team's defensive back at times. My question is, why doesn't Satterfield try to be more aggressive in taking deep shots down the field to get momentum on offense? I can understand the case versus Georgia because you don't uh want to carry in Kendrick or Amir Speed intercepting the pass with glory glory playing in the background. Uh, but heading into Tennessee, Kentucky, Mandy, and even AM, I want to see the offense be more aggressive with its passing attack. Your thoughts and thank you for all you do. Um, I, I think there there's there's two things here. I think first of all, the good news is, like you mentioned, uh I don't think a lot of us knew if South Carolina was going to be capable of chucking it down the field. I think we thought so. Um, you know, you've got some guys uh, that had the potential, but that's just potential and they hadn't done it so far. Um, and look, right now, you know, yeah, you're, you're able to do that. I, I hope it's my hope that Jalen Brooks quits dropping passes. Uh, because obviously he's pretty good at making the difficult reception. And obviously, like I've said, from the start, Jalen's athletic, athletically he belongs and he's, he's, he's a physically, he's a weapon. Uh, you know, Van's performance speaks for itself, except for the dumb penalties. Like I mentioned, he's overcome adversity well, and you know, Joyner's a guy that really helped him in the East Carolina game. I, I think there are other guys, uh, in the receiving core that could also help. And I actually would really like for them to get the ball to tight ends more. Um uh as far as him being more aggressive, I, I think I think you're gonna see that. Uh you know, I and and I think the, the bad news is South Carolina hadn't been able to run the football. Your, your vertical passing game is 10 times more lethal when you're able to run it. Because teams have to pick their poison. You know, they can't just creep up. They can't just sit back. You know, and and that's that's where you want to get as an offense. The good news is, you know, they haven't shown it through three games, but they're very capable. They have very capable backs. And dare I say, a very capable offensive line. Offensive line looks confused. And if they're not confused and they're just getting beat, they probably need to sit. I mean, you've got nine guys that have started a game. You know, plus younger guys like Vinny Murphy, they like a lot. It's weird to call him young. He's been there a while, but, uh, you know, personnel changes are the next move and, you know, see who can get it and practice mentally. And, and if it's, if nobody can get it, then they need to simplify. I mean, this stuff isn't that hard, you know, put hat on a hat and look, let's go try to run the football. You know, that, that's if South Carolina cannot run the football, it's going to be a long year. I mean that that's period, you know, and they've got the backs to do it. They got the I mean, you think they have the line to do it? You know, they're, they're going to have to run the football. And you do that and then you that creates more one-on-one opportunities down the field and Van's winning a lot, Brooks won some and shoot. You know, away you go. But uh yeah, I so so you know, I I think Mitchell those shots are going to come uh, as long as as long as, uh, South Carolina can start running it better. Otherwise, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's just going to be, well, hey, they completed a 50-yard pass, but they can't run it any further. And, you know, the offense is going to settle for field goals, that type of thing, uh, if they can get that far. Thank you, Mitchell. Always appreciate your stuff. Um, Spencer, my man. JC, you're the man. Here are a few quick hitters. Number one, I'm not the one who sees this Satterfield experiment not ending well. I'm seeing more and more on TBS articulating concerns. I know you say you're going to reserve judgment until after Kentucky, but this showing surely didn't help your optimism or confidence, has it? Shoot it straight. You see big issues with scheme and feel and in-game adjustments. And don't get me started on Atkins. He's Roper 2.0. Will Shane have the guts to move on from his best man? Um, I don't. Number one, I don't. I don't know that. Marcus Satterfield was Shane's best man um, in his wedding. Uh, you know, as far as Greg Atkins goes, I, you know, look, these guys got to play better, but it's hard for me to hang it on the line, coach, unless he's the one sort of, you know, trying to get too fancy with the, with the protections. Uh, I don't know if that he is. Uh, Atkins had a really good offensive line at Marshall last year. Um, they look pretty doggone good. Uh, You know, to me, it's sort of the operation of the offense, and that's on Marcus Satterfield. Uh, As far as the feel and the play calling goes, it's hard to tell. When you can't run the football, I mean, you know, what are you going to call? So uh, that's the deal there, you know, and and I'm not going to get into what's going to happen at the end of the year. I think some of you are a little too anxious. You know, I mean, look, we wait all season for football to get here, right? All all season. And it's a long summer, long spring, and we can't wait. We're excited. And then we want to predict the the last nine games of the year and, and, and fire somebody right now. You know, I mean, that's just uh, – and look, I'm not going to sit here and say there's not concerns. There are concerns, but the thing about concerns during a football season is, you know, sometimes those concerns are alleviated by improvement. That's why you practice, and that's why you watch film and all that, and they have to be able to run the football. That's period. Who? All right, number two, Spencer says, who's calling the O-line protection in this scheme? Do you have insights? Is it the quarterback, uh, or is it the O-line? I think it's the quarterback, and this approach needs to be scrapped. If it is... Maybe so uh, you have to be able to audible at the line of scrimmage though, man, you can't just call it and say, all right, this is the play, you know, so they got to get on the same page somehow, you know, the the quarterback in college football, you know, you can do a check with me at the line of scrimmage, which is you know, sort of what I think they should do. But, um, you know, like I said, I'm not a coach. So I would, uh, because it does appear there's communication. It doesn't, you know, like I said, you know, Jalen Nichols, he's a six foot five three hundred and twenty five pound road grader. Uh, it's not like we've seen him during his career shy away from contact when the guy started at right tackle when the Gamecocks beat Georgia as a true freshman. You know, he, he just turns a guy loose. I mean, you know that's just not that's not who he is as a player, so there, there's some sort of confusion. And I don't know who's calling it or what, but it needs to get fixed. Um, he says to I. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't like the beam, Beamer hire. It's too big of a job for. No, it's come on, man. <laughs> I, I'm not. Uh, you know, all all this this third thing here, Spence. I'm not even going to read it because it's just so dumb. Uh, I can't do this. Uh, you, you know, you say here at the bottom the things you speak are backed up by reality. Um, and the Beamer supporters are getting tired of spinning. We're three games in. We're three games in. And, you know, your first two points were great. But, I mean, this, this, the third thing's just dumb, Spence. Yeah, I expect better of you than uh, that, to be honest. Jeff says – you know, it's hard to live with how we played, period, for penalties pre-snap on dead ball, which both could be avoided. How the heck do you fault start at the receiver position? Just watch the freaking ball. Then act like you've caught a pass before. So to get a taunting call, 20 yards on just one player. All offensive line play lost this game for us. It's time for a complete revamp up front. Win was just waving at pass rushers. down to one of our huge disappointments. Coaching, especially play calling, has been mediocre at best. Deemer needs to get control of his team and coaches. He does. So my question is, am I expecting too much? Am I being unreasonable? I truly believe we could have been right there with Georgia if we just had a little bit of better play out of the O-line. Also, we got the ball – had we gotten the ball to our matchup guys, McDowell and Bell more. And, heck, I don't think Bell was targeted once. Muse had one thrown at him right on the goal line with no chance. My line, line, no chance for yards after catch. Anyway, offensive line of play and play calling for the third week. Has been below average, well below. Yeah. And the calls, you know, something's not I right, so you say play call, me, you know, and, and I don't know yet if if what to call and win. In other words, if everything goes perfect or well, will this play work against this defense? I I right now there's so many breakdowns and communication issues up front. I, I don't know if it is or not, just because you you have no chance if you're confused and, and not executing. But that's coaching, too. I mean, coaching is and just, you know, going out there and saying, well, we got a great plan. It's up to you guys to execute. You've got to simplify and, you know, get it to where the guys are getting it. I mean, you can handle getting dominated physically, okay? Uh, what you can't handle are the mental errors, like you stated. Um, that's just not something that should be happening. Uh, that's focus. That's, that's being mentally tough. That's being disciplined in your play. Um, and, and I think that there has been some undisciplined play out of Carolina. I don't, I don't know that this is necessarily an undisciplined football team, um, you know, or anything that Beamer needs to get control of other than look, you know, what's, what's the problem up front? How do you correct it? Because like I said, you know, they have to be able to run the football to be successful. I mean, that's, and you got Kevin Harrison, Marshawn Lloyd, Juju McDowell, uh, you know, you mentioned Jaheem Bell. I, you know, I could make a strong argument for him getting the ball more um, and the tight ends in general, uh, you know. I, uh, so maybe that's a play calling thing, play design thing. I don't know. Uh, I just, uh, I, I think that you're right in the sense that that game could have been a little closer had, you know, some bad things not happened, uh, you know, and, and some things not broken down. Uh, But against Georgia, there's going to be a lot of teams where things break down on them this year. Uh, I think, you know, Georgia has a chance. and, And people say, well, they're just like Alabama because of Kirby Smart and all that. They sort of remind me of LSU. When LSU's been really daggum good on defense and had a lot of good running backs and good quarterback play, speed at receiver, uh, they sort of remind me of some of those good teams. Not the not the 2019 team that won it all with Joe Brady and Joe Burrow. And those guys, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow gonna win us a national championship. Uh and he did. But that that was a different kind of LSU team. I, I'm thinking like back in 03, 07. You know, those those LSU teams that you're just like, man, you just don't have a shot against that front. Um, and then they're pretty doggone good on offense, too. Uh, that's who Georgia reminds me of, but you know what? I'm not making excuses for the mental aspect of it, though, because if if you can't do that, you don't have a shot. Uh, not in this league, you know. I mean, and I'm not saying no team should ever make a mistake. I'm I'm saying, you know, the the if it's not one thing, it's been another on offense. Uh, and most importantly, they have to find a way to run the football. Now they're back at home. You know, uh, they did run it pretty well against uh, Eastern Illinois. Kentucky's a lot better than Eastern Illinois, uh, but you're back at home, more comfortable. You know, not a crowd yelling at you, that kind of thing. Maybe there's a little less of an issue uh, with communication and things like that up front. Uh, maybe there's more. Who knows? But that, that's that. That stuff has to be corrected. Nobody should have uh, an extreme amount of tolerance for that. Um. And if it's too complicated, you got to simplify. I mean, that's that's all there is to it, you know. If it's too complicated, you got to simplify. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Uh Eric says I was wondering if the zone blocking scheme is different than what we did last year and is it more difficult to learn? Also, what do you think of our offensive line from a skill set perspective to run that scheme? It appears the biggest issue is just not knowing assignments. Not sure if that falls more in Atkins or Satterfield, but hopefully they figure it out. I think it's both. Um, but I think if, if you're the offensive coordinator, you know, you, you need to sit there and say, "Look, like, we, we need to simplify this. Um, it's your responsibility. Um, you know, but I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to hang it all on them. I, I think the offensive line in general is, is potential, you know, and, and you've seen these guys throughout their career at times have really good football games, uh, individually or otherwise. um, so i'm I'm not sure that you know that these guys don't have the talent to do it. I just think there's just something some kind of disconnect right now um and zone blocking man blocking they they everybody does it all nowadays um and so I'm not sure that that's you know the issue uh people talk about it sometimes you know some people you know if the offensive line's not doing all that well, they'll blame zone blocking for it when in reality it's 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 not the zone the actual concept of it it's you know, it's just performance or assignment breakdowns. But um, yeah, you, you got to get those assignments down, and you got to simplify them if if they if they absolutely can't do it, or you got to play somebody else. I mean, that it's you, you know, like I said, you can take getting physically manhandled. Georgia has a lot of really good football players. You know, they're going to make some plays, but what you can't, you know, like like the the the, the gift that was out there with Jalen Nichols just whiffing or turning time whiffing or whoever. You know you can't take that because that means they didn't know what to do on that play. Now is that on the quarterback, OC, O line coach, right tackle, whoever, whoever's responsibility it is, it needs to change because you know, like I said, you can take getting beat, but you can't take beating yourself, and that in a way is beating yourself. If you if you don't know who to block and you got people running free, it doesn't matter what play you call, I mean, it it really doesn't. And if you're the Gamecocks, you should be embarrassed by not being able to run the football. You've got the SEC's leading returning rusher who's, I think, you know, shedding some rust a little bit. Kevin Harris, you got Marshawn Lloyd. you got Juju McDowell who didn't have a carry, which is weird. Uh, and then Zaquandre White, you got four backs. You know, you can also give the ball to Jaheim Bell. Luke Doty can run it. I mean, you've got to get the run game going. I mean, that, that's – That's the bottom line. You're just not going to beat very many people this year not being able to run the football. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate your email. Dale says, uh, I've been waiting to email you as I didn't want to be just another person spitting nonsense. I honestly feel like now after the Georgia game, I'm prepared to put in my two cents. (laughs) Zeb versus Doty. At first, I was on the what the hell are we doing train with having Zeb in there. Honestly, I don't know if it really mattered who we played the first two games as long as we won, and we did. I'd rather have the blowout game week one and ugly win week two and a healthy loop for week three than to have two possible blowout games and then beat Doty up. Most people finally got what they wanted Saturday when Zeb had his unfortunate injury. We got to see Doty play. Um, Though I feel like Doty in the long haul will give us the best chance to win, he did not look as if he was in 100% game form. I'm sure that was partially due to lack of reps or practice beyond seven on seven. Yeah. You know, that, that matters. Uh, and I, I thought, you know, knowing what we know about his practice schedule yeah, it's probably pretty good performance, you know, he, 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 and the thing with Luke Doty is, you know, he, unlike Zeb Nolan, who is a sitting duck, you know, and I think Luke's got some work to do on run game, right. Uh, of course, against Georgia, I mean, we'll see what happens in the run game moving forward. Uh, but like I said, all offseason, I, I think Doty needs to kind of learn when to run and find in those lanes, and sometimes it looks tough. Uh, but but I, I think his mobility in the pocket – and then, you know, you look at his arm, and, yeah, he misfired on some. There's no doubt about it, but he also threw some beautiful passes. And, you know, if he can get more consistent, obviously, when you – the pass rush is killing you. You know, you, you're going to throw some errant throws. Um, but, yeah, hopefully with a week of practice and uh, all that, you know, he's he's ready to roll this weekend. All right, Dale goes on, play calling. Satterfield showed, said going into this game is going to open the playbook and show some different stuff. Is it just me, or did it look as if we just got more of the same old stuff? No, I think there's a little bit more vertical – uh, a little bit more downfield attempts. Uh, you know, I, I didn't – I know they did that against East Carolina some, but it, I think it was a little bit more. Uh, you know, the tempo thing on the early long pass to Van was nice. Uh, he says, I'm not trying to take uh, anything away from Georgia's D as they played a hell of a game, but I felt we were very predictable in what we were going to do. We ran on first and second down, which then put us in obvious passing situations, which didn't work because our O-line could not block. I do feel that we should have gone with a hurry-up offense. We could have tried to control the pace of the game. We should have also tried to use the tight ends a little more with some screens and crossing routes. I, I agree with the tight end. Um, you know, I, I think this, as far as the hurry-up stuff, uh, with the operational aspect of the, the the offense right now with them huddling, and I mean, I you know – I think you're inviting more disaster up front if the guys can't get it when you, you know, milk the play clock. As far as running on first and second down, throwing it on third, yeah, that's, that's, that's not going to be good. Uh, I don't know they did it a whole lot. I mean, I, I think you you, try to, you had to be stubborn with the run game Saturday night, in my opinion, and they were, uh, but it didn't go very far. So you have, to, you have to reassess that and see if you can find a way to run the football. Wide receivers, Dale says. Van continues to look good, and I hope he builds off this the rest of the season. Brooks showed glimpses of what he can do, but still needs to work on securing the ball. He had a big drop there near the goal line that could have changed the direction of the game. I agree. Uh, I also have to agree with you. We need to start targeting belly even more. Even the commentators made mention of it. The O-line, lots of work to be done here. Defense, they continue to play well. Yes, the scoreboard was ugly and does not reflect how well they did on Saturday, but we continue to get turnovers. And outside of being out of position a few times with Georgia's hurry-up plays for touchdowns, I think we looked well. Yeah, Kentucky's probably going to try to do that and run some hurry-up this weekend, in my opinion. that's what I mean, that's what I would do if I were them. What's crazy to me is this defense looks better this year under Shane than it did under Muschamp, who was supposed to be a defensive guru. But we looked improved, and that's without J.C. Horn and Izzy McWalman. I agree, and uh, I do think in the secondary, though, they, they can't give up the big play. You know, I still think they got to do some of that and clean up some of that uh, because Kentucky's going to try to do the same thing, run it, and then throw it over the top. Uh, But, you know, their personnel is probably not on Georgia's level. And in closing, we still have a lot of work to do. We're showing glimpses of what can be, and we need to avoid dumb penalties. Sorry for the long email. The thanks all you do. Uh, Keep up the great work. Go Rebels. I guess this is Burns. Burns, Rebels. And go Gamecocks. Thanks, Dale. Thank you, Dale. I appreciate that tremendously. Christopher says, JC, regarding the offensive line, how are there so many breakdowns and miscommunications? The guys are clearly capable players, but it seems they have no idea who to block at times and allow to have Georgia have multiple blitzers come untouched. How is it fixed or can it be? Well, you know, it, it depends on how much of this is miscommunication uh, because or not getting in the right play or, or the line missing the call. Um some of it when you play Georgia, to be honest, is you don't know where they're coming from because they're really good at the zone blitzing and, the, you know, disguising well on defense. Uh, that's why they're probably the best defense in the country. I mean, that they've, they've got whatever they've got going up front works, you know, for them. And this won't be the last line against Georgia that's been confused. But there are some aspects of it that you, you just – it's hard for you to think, well, that's all – just because George is good, um, because there's guys just standing there, and you know didn't hit anybody, and you're like, well, that can't be by design that you, you know, you turn this guy loose <laughs> to tee off on your quarterback. So I think a lot of it's miscommunication and, and assignment breakdowns, and and that has to be fixed, simplified, or the guys need to be replaced. I mean, that, that's all there is to it. That that's what you got to do uh, up front. We've seen offensive line issues here before, uh, so there's good news and bad news. The bad news is, through three games, this unit's been extremely disappointing, for one reason or the other. The good news is, I think personnel-wise, South Carolina is in is in better shape than maybe some of those offensive lines under Spurrier, where you ended up playing walk-ons on the inside and stuff, and they were actually better than the scholarship guys. I, I don't I don't see that happening. Maybe there are some personnel changes that take place. Uh, but you know, look, we, we've been sitting here since he was a freshman thinking Dylan Wanham's gonna get better and he hadn't. You know, he, he needs to, you know, step it up. You know, Turnitine and Jacai Moore at left tackle need to step it up. Uh, the Joe von Gwen thing is a mystery to me because I uh, you know I, he's an experienced guy and that's not him. That's not how he normally plays. So that makes me think there's assignments. Uh, Eric Douglas had a great year last year at Center. You know, I mentioned Jalen Nichols, you know uh, these guys all are capable of playing a lot better. So you know uh, whatever's going on, they need to fix, you know, you either fix, simplify or replace. Uh, in my opinion, at, at this point, thank you. All right, James. <laughs> so, James doesn't really like the, the Shane Beamer hire. So, besides being Shane's buddy for 20 years, what qualifies Satterfield to be our OC? Ah, it's the foghorn, leghorn. what he is not qualified. He last called plays in 2017 for a one in ten Tennessee Tech team. He was assistant O-line coach last year for the Panthers. Obviously, even that experience has done nothing for the position room at USC. Well, I don't think – I mean, you know, he's got to get the – got to get the offensive line fixed. I mean, that's Captain Obvious type stuff. Uh, I I think what doesn't matter is the guys, you know, the qualifications. I mean, that's a debate to have when he's hired. You know, he's hired. uh, Therefore, he was qualified for the job therefore you got to give him a shot you know you hire a guy like Shane it's a gamble you have to give him time to learn on the job okay not an easy task for a rookie coach in the SEC but a first year coach with no play calling experience has to nail the coordinator hires it doesn't look good at OC right now you know I'm I'm not disagreeing that they have issues on offense but Uh, you must be like uh, a genius uh, or have a crystal ball if you want to hang all this on play calling because I don't know how the hell you can say uh, the play calling is good or the play calling is bad or the play calling is great or mediocre when they can't even get the play off. I mean, you know, you got to fix the offensive line issues and try to run the football. You know, that's the bottom line. All this stuff you're talking about, Shane, or or James – about gamble and learn on the job and all that. That's completely ridiculous and unrealistic. Okay? This team is 2 and 1. You know, they struggled at East Carolina, struggled at Georgia. You got some big winnable games coming up. You know, this team was uh, what? 6 and 16 the last 2 seasons. This program was uh, you know, maybe Marcus Satterfield works out, maybe he doesn't. You know, same with any coach on the staff. But, you know, all this stuff about it's his buddy and this is what he did in 2017 and blah, blah, blah. He was the assistant O-line coach. You know, all that, all those are facts, but they don't matter. I mean, Beamer's a rookie head coach in the SEC. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, didn't nail, maybe didn't nail the OC hire? Maybe he did. Doesn't matter. You know, they've got to find a way to block and run the football. Okay, all this fan stuff that you're saying is great and all for the offseason or to be critical of when it first happens. But right now it's just, you know, there's there's clear issues that you're missing uh, because of these things that don't matter, bottom line. Uh, And as far as, you know, giving somebody time to learn on the job, I don't think Shane Beamer thinks, oh, I've got to learn on the job. Uh, I know he blamed himself for giving up five points the other day. And, you know, some writers made a comment that he's a rookie head coach or whatever, but, you know, anybody could have made that call. And if it works out, it's great. If it doesn't, and it obviously didn't, it doesn't. But I've seen veteran head, I've seen Steve Spurger make calls like that, you know? Um, And and in hindsight, yeah, he's pretty mad at himself for doing it. You learn and you move on, but, you know, nobody's sitting there saying, you know, we need to give Shane Beamer training wheels. I mean, it's SEC football. You you don't hire a guy uh, if you have to have him learn on the job. And every coaching hire out there, man, is a gamble. You know, it's a big gamble. You know, look at Scott Frost at Nebraska. They played well this past weekend. You know, Chip Kelly – Everybody's talking about how UCLA is going to win the Pac-12 and, and they lose to Fresno State this past weekend. You know, and he's been his record's awful. You know, Chip Kelly is you know, synonymous with being a good football coach. You, you just don't know, man. You know, nobody, you know, if you go back 10 years ago, you mentioned Dabo Sweeney, Ed Orgeron, and Ryan Day would be playing for national championships and winning, then people would have chuckled. So, you know, I, I learn on the job. I mean, th- this is the SEC. You know, nobody's that. And, and you know, those of you that live in fear of the Kentucky Wildcats, I'll remind you, you know, Mark Stoops had never been a head coach before he took that job. Um, you know, certainly was a defensive coordinator, but I, I don't think it matters. And as far as nailing the coordinator hires, every coach needs to nail the coordinator hires, man. You know, uh, unless you're just like a – like you're Dan Mullen – and you call plays, or you're like a play caller, and I mean a good one, you know, probably not even Billy Napier, you know, like a Dan Mullen, Steve Spurrier, Cliff Kingsbury, the offensive guru guys. You know, you've got to nail the coordinator hires anyway. It doesn't matter what kind of deal you've got, you know. So, anyway, James, start focusing on things that matter, man. Start focusing on things that matter. Uh, Michael, hey, JC, I'm sitting here building a crib listening to your podcast Monday night. My email is more of a statement than a question. Um, I'm not sure about anybody else, but right before the safety, the camera was on Beamer, and I saw him say the words F, F it to himself. I believe many Gamecocks would have said done the same thing. We need to be aggressive against highly ranked teams. It's a fair point. I didn't see Beamer say that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean – I You know, I, I didn't mind the aggressiveness of the call. Uh, didn't like the outcome. But, you know, I, I think it's good to take a shot. I mean, what if, you know, Van was getting open deep. You get that off. If he's open, you know, he may go away, a ways. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, you kick a field goal. You got some momentum going in for the half. And yeah, now I look. Against that defense, would is that, is that going to be in the coach's manual, you know, when you write a book about coaching for dummies? Uh, are you going to sit there and go, yeah, it's a good idea to do that against it? No, probably not. But, like I said, the, what Shane Beamer wants to do with this program, he wants them to be aggressive. So, I don't mind the aggressiveness. Uh, it just didn't work out. Tristan says – Uh, When you answered my question last time, I talked about Marcus and the injuries that ruined his promising career. The second time he got hurt, I remember throwing my mom's remote at the lawn it. My mom got mad, of course, because she didn't understand, but I knew right then his career would never be the same. I felt so horrible for him. Couldn't have happened to a better person. I agree. Um, It's one of the saddest things covering football uh, I've ever had. Sad for Marcus about his promising football career. I can tell you, though, Marcus Lattimore is doing well as a person. And with life, and uh, you got to admire somebody who's overcome and doesn't let things like that get them down. Before the season started, I wrote in talking about how excited I was seeing this talented offense. I'm extremely disappointed because, as we all know now, the O line is so bad, it's preventing us from running our offense. Makes no sense to me. And I think we know why it's because they're confused, like you've talked about. Starting to think it's unfixable at this point. Uh, I'll stop right there and address this. It's not. you know, they had issues at East Carolina, got better as the game went on. Obviously, the issues with Georgia. Some of that was because of Georgia. Some of that was for mental issues. But, it, like, look, the, you know, there's three solutions. Like I said, fix it, simplify so it gets fixed, or replace gas, you know. I mean, and that's really all you can do. And if, if none of that works, obviously it is unfixable, which is ridiculous. There's no reason it's it, it, it should be unfixable at this point because if it's scheme-related, it's probably too late to install another. And You know, you can simplify what you've got, in my opinion. It doesn't get as hard as it was with Georgia again, but still, it's happened three weeks in a row. You know, Eastern Illinois had some things that I think people got nervous about just because the game was picked apart to death. They still were able to get a good push and, and, and protect and all that, but, you know, there were some red flags and, ECU certainly there were, Georgia certainly there were, but, you know, they've got to fix it. That's the bottom line. Uh, He says, I'm starting to feel hopeless. Do you think it could be fixed? Maybe simplify? I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, simplify. Uh, It either just gets fixed. The light comes on, you simplify it or uh, you replace guys, you know, start using some of that depth. I mean, as (laughs) you know, you gotta be able to get out there and, you know, compete in the football games, no matter how good you practice or, or whatnot. All right. That completes today's I Help Consulting Inbox and today's episode of the Inside the Game Cox podcast. We'll be back more later this week, uh, Tuesday, September 21st is in the books, folks. Talk to you soon.